This is the Fox Sports South College Countdown. Intercepted. Wow, he got crushed. It's blocked and it's going to be a touchdown. Final five to the end zone. 20, 10, touchdown. Here's Wes Durham and Corey McCartney. Set the table, carve the turkey, and for the love that is all holy, if you want to calm Thanksgiving this year, do not talk politics. This is College Countdown presented by North Myrtle <laughs> Beach. Corey McCartney here along with everyone's favorite holiday side dish, Wes Durham. Wes, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, what's the biggest Durham family tradition for the holiday? Oh, um... Well, that's a good question. Uh, probably one that dates back to uh, um, my grandmother on my mom's side. She never could do just one choice of pies. It was always pumpkin and pecan. So um, that's the one thing I know for sure that will happen. It might be ham one year, turkey one year, but you know you're going to have a pumpkin or a pecan pie. And as, uh, as my dad is fond of saying, I just want a sliver of both. So that's... Uh, that's typically what happens, I'm afraid, at the end to top it off and just send you into the food abyss, as they say. There you go. Yeah, my, my old, and by the way, I need to apologize to everybody listening. I've been under the weather. But uh, my oldest son, my, my mom would say, do you want cake or pie? And he thought cake or pie meant both. you were getting both. So, right. Yeah. yeah. But we've got a, a plenty of rivalry games to get into. And, and, Wes, we've got a special treat because I'm going to be joined by the one and only Thanksgiving turkey. Tom is this week's celebrity picker, so that's a big treat. And it, it's hard the day before Thanksgiving to get a turkey, but i got one coming on this show. I'm really excited about that. Nice. Well so, done. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. So it's rivalry week across college football, Ohio State and Michigan, Washington, Washington State, down here in this part of the country, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, Alabama, Auburn. And for the ACC, that Clemson, South Carolina game looms large, of course, as does number two Miami at Pitt. But wins there set the stage for a guaranteed playoff berth to the winner of the ACC championship game. And Wes, we broached this subject last week. And while we have another set of rankings that will come down before the ACC title game, the selection committee creating a very intriguing situation here. I don't necessarily understand what changed week over week outside of Clemson's NC State win, maybe not looking as impressive as it did. Uh, after it fell to Wake Forest, and I believed, you know, as we talked last week, Miami probably should have been number two a week ago anyway. But in flip-flopping those teams at two and three, we have a scenario where even with a loss to the Tigers in a close one, the Hurricanes yep. could remain a playoff team. Exactly. And uh, it, it kind of stems back to one of those things where we talk about, you know, the value of the zero because the longer you stay undefeated and the longer you continue to move, and I think we're seeing it somewhat with Wisconsin – but it's far more pronounced with Miami. Uh, in, in Miami's situation, they could they could literally lose. And you're right; you just explained the scenario perfectly, and and maybe fall to like four. It's also going to depend, I believe, Corey, on what happens behind them. Um, you know, how does that Big Ten game shape up if Wisconsin's undefeated? Those type things. So. Let's keep an eye on it here, but it's it's clearly in play at this point with two weeks to go. Yeah, the, they most certainly would need some help. And mainly, I think, the ACC, the, the thing that would really be the, the biggest domino is if Auburn beats Alabama in Saturday's Iron Bowl. That's the biggest stage setter because you, you're right, you could have – you know, an argument with, with if uh, Wisconsin falls to Ohio State or even, you know, current number 12 TCU ends up winning the Big 12. But another factor here we're most definitely seeing is that the selection committee showing how much it values the ACC over, you know, maybe say the Big 12, which has two ranked teams. Oklahoma sitting there at fourth. 
with wins over three teams that were ranked in the top 11 at the time they played. You know, no conference has put two teams in the playoffs, and you know we were in this exact same situation last time a year ago with the Big Ten, the Big Ten having number two Ohio State, number three Michigan. In 2014, the SEC had number one Alabama, number four Mississippi State. So the difference here, though, those combinations did not meet for a conference title, which is why Miami and Clemson uncharted territory for the CFP in year four. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I think it's uh, it's really incumbent upon both these teams to play well this weekend to set the table for next week and then just see what kind of game. Well, Wes, mention family traditions. At our house, we play board, we play board games the night of Thanksgiving while others in our house peruse the shopping ads, the game plan for Black Friday. But this year, I'm pushing hard to get the home edition of uh, Word Association on the menu that night. So I need, I, need your, I need your help in brushing up. So as we, as we start looking at Friday and we start off number two Miami at Pitt, where's Westerham going? I'm going focus on you. Because that's really it's who it's about is Miami. You can't fall into the uh, sublime, if you will, of what you went through last Saturday. I think that's a good lesson, but you don't want it to be a habit. So Miami needs to take care of Miami, and uh, it's not going to be a well-attended game. Pittsburgh has played well. They're scrappy, physical, all the things you expect it to be. But Miami's a better team, so focus on you. Is, uh, is just a simple statement. Well, in honor of Thanksgiving, I'm going with gravy because the Hurricanes are just a win away from setting up a national semifinal in the ACC championship game. But before we get too caught up in those implications, at 10-0, and 0, I mean, this is literally all just gravy for Miami. They were projected to be the third best team in the ACC and a chance of the first undefeated regular season since 2012, and that, uh, that all spells out gravy to me. So number 25, Virginia Tech at Virginia is up next. Well, Virginia has to decide at some point in this rivalry, when do we want to get back? So get back is the is the word association. Virginia Tech has just flat dominated this thing, Corey, um, to a point where, you know, the Commonwealth Cup just like might have a statue in Blacksburg. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've won it so many times. So I think Virginia plays with a little more under the hood this Saturday, uh, a team that's already bowl eligible, a team that is competitive, uh, Virginia Tech has been fine recently, but not great. And so I think this one might be a lot closer than people think. I've got nothing common about this one. That's my Commonwealth Cup pun right nice. there. The, the Hokies have won this matchup, as you mentioned, 13 straight years. Uh, Virginia, of course, bowl eligible for the second time in 10 years. A Virginia Tech win secures second in the Coastal. Cavaliers victory gives them second in the Atlantic. So obviously a lot more to play for than there has been of late in that one. As we look at Saturday and we start off a sleepy start Number seven, Georgia at Georgia Tech. Well, this is a lot harder for Georgia Tech than, than the last two of the three, which they've won, uh, both in Athens, by the way. Uh, in Georgia Tech's mind, in my mind, Georgia Tech has to play perfect. So perfect is the, is the word association for the Yellow Jackets. I don't think they can, I don't think they can have unforced errors. I don't think they can have turnovers. I think they've got to play as clean as possible to give themselves a chance to win against a Bulldog team that's very good defensively. And is uh, is steady on offense. I'm not going to say they're great on offense, but they do have a run game. Georgia Tech will have to get them stopped. And again, playing perfect is probably the only way they're going to find a way to win. I say high stakes kind of hate because clean old fashioned hate has some juicy, juicy stakes this time. Georgia obviously, you know, can get into the playoffs so they can get through this one and win the SEC title. But Yellow Jackets five and five. They're fighting just to get bowl eligible. Uh, Georgia Tech, by the way, five and zero at home, running for fifty six more yards a game of Bobby Dodd. So a little bit of an underlying st- uh, storyline there. They've been much, much better at home. All right, next up, Florida State at Florida. 
Uh, gator bait. Or the Gators bait. You know, I mean, <laughs> Florida State needs this win. This and the one on December 2nd against Funroe to, uh, to find a way to uh, get bowl eligible. Are the Gators the bait here? I mean, uh, I, look, I haven't seen anything out of Florida lead me to believe that uh, that they're building anything. Um, they're just, they look like a school playing the string out, and that's, that's not good. Um, and I, I think Florida State somehow or another can emerge here as a winner, but uh, we're going to find out. I, I think this is an interesting game for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with this year, to be honest with you. I've got State of Disarray, and this is the seventh time since 67 that they're both uh, going to meet under, as unranked teams. Both four, How about that? Yeah, both are four and six. Obviously, tons more to play with for uh, play four. Uh, the Seminoles, who can, as you mentioned, they got that Louisiana Monroe game, and Jimbo Fisher can send a second straight class of seniors out without ever having lost to the Gators. This, by the way, this is our Pantone game of the week, and it's not for a common color. Nice. This is not the not for a common color, which these teams don't have. But that color of pale that Jimbo Fisher will turn if they lose this one, rendering that rescheduled December second game meaningless. Yeah, it's it's a nine one zero one C. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Louisville. Louisville at Kentucky. Isn't this interesting game, huh? I mean, I card mania here. I mean, I don't know where to go with Louisville on this. They they beat Syracuse convincingly. Uh, Lamar Farewell is probably my word association. How's that? Because this is it. I mean, he's, he's done after this year. He'll turn pro, go to the next level, uh, take a bow, Lamar. You've had a marvelous career, but you need to go out with a win in this game for sure. I'm following suit there. I've got in appreciation because I, in all honesty, I mean, look, they're, they're projected to get neither the Sun Bowl or the Tax Slayer Bowl. Would you be surprised if he doesn't play? I mean, I think that's, we, we may be in a situation like that. This might be the yeah. last time we see him in a Louisville uh, Louisville uh, uniform. But he does have a, chan- a chance, though, if he plays both games, to join Deshaun Watson as the only QBs with 4,000 yards passing and 1,000 rushing in the same season. So uh, certainly something to watch for there. Next up, Boston College at Syracuse. This is the um, uh, this is an interesting ball game. Eric Dungy is not going to play as we take this, Corey. Uh, Anthony Brown obviously is out with a leg injury. So who has the more momentum here? Uh, it, it's a momentum builder, and I think BC is the winner because of the momentum build. I think they've done a really good job in the second half of the season. In fact, if you were naming a second-half coach of the year in the ACC, you might give it to Adazio. Yeah, I do I think yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, been, the, he is what he's been able to do that second half, unbelievable. I, you mentioned the quarterback situation. Though. That's why I have keep him guessing because Syracuse, their depth chart has three as or 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 with Eric Dungy, Zach Mahoney, and Rex Culpepper, and then yeah. uh, the other side, Boston College has not won in the Carrier Dome since 2010 when Frank Spaziani beat Doug Monroe. So that's been it's been a, a long time since they've won up there in uh, upstate New York. So I uh, got to keep them guessing on that one. Next up, Duke at Wake Forest. Well, this is our game at twelve thirty, um, and this is a Tobacco Road battle. That's that's the word association. This is a game that in the last fifteen years has produced some interesting storylines. Duke obviously needs a win to be bowl eligible. Wake is already there. John Walford's final ball game is the Deacon quarterback, and I, I think five years from now he'll be appreciated far more than he is right now. Um, but this comes down to this ball game has come down to a missed field goal of 22 yards. 
It's uh, been determined by a tie in 1973. It's also a game where Duke went on the road and Thaddeus Lewis threw for nearly 400 yards in a game. So uh, Tobacco Road Tussle is word association. I think this game will be close. Uh, Duke is playing with more momentum as a result of the second half against Georgia Tech. Wake Forest is going to have to find a way to capitalize on the win over MC State the week before. I'm going with show us your APR because Duke has a 992 academic progress rate, and that may end up being more important than this game because the Blue Devils are at 12-point underdogs, and with five wins, a legitimate chance, though, that Duke still gets invited to a bowl game because it's going to have its hands full against John Wolford. 11th in FBS this month, averaging 313 yards per game. He's played really, really well, and enough, not yeah. enough people are talking about it. All right, North Carolina at NC State. Uh, pack bounce back. I think NC State bounces back. Carolina did some nice things against Western Carolina. They should have. Uh, they've won two straight, but NC State needs to find a way to bounce back. That was a disappointing, disappointing loss and a, uh, a crusher mentally for the Wolfpack last Saturday in, in Winston-Salem. I've got vacation planning because what kind of a bowl game does NC State want to go to? Does it want to end up in El Paso? Does it want to go to Florida? The difference is likely what happens in Raleigh where the Wolfpacks last won this game in 2011. They're massive favorites, like three-score favorites. And after last week's uh, loss to Wake Forest, they should be pretty salty. All right, last game for us, number three Clemson at number 24 South Carolina. Tiger roll. I think Clemson rolls big time here. I think this is the this is the capper on the eleven and one. Uh, I think they get the job done. Um, you know, despite the, the respect that Dabo and Will Muschamp have for one another, uh, I think the Tigers are the better team across the board. I've got feel the wrath of not, and this is going to take us a second to get to this one. But these teams, we know they don't like each other. But South Carolina did not like the way that last year Clemson, when they were up 49-7, to brought in Deshaun Watson, Wayne Gallman, and Mike Williams back for a long goodbye in front of all the crowds. Gamecock center Alan Knott told Gene Sapikoff from the Charleston Post and Courier, the way they finished the game out last year was not good sportsmanship, but that's fine. We're going to get our revenge this year. I don't think wow. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm glad they're adding a little bit of a spice to a rivalry that doesn't even need it. Uh, that's a... Uh, Somewhat surprising there, but they've uh, they've. This is a back. this is a pretty good preamble to the rest of the show because what next is a turkey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's our veritable feast, Wes. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and Thanks. we're going to do it all over again next week. And we're going to do we're going to pull a Mark Rick next week, and we're going to do our deep dive uh, like him off the high board there into the ACC championship game. I look forward to that. Thanks, Corey. Have a great Thanksgiving. You too. Take a break here on College Countdown. When we return, I will be joined by our guest picker, a Thanksgiving turkey. North Myrtle Beach, where a summer vacation is even better in the fall. Paddle a serene inland waterway. Ride horseback on a warm, wide open beach. It's never too late for a sensational summer vacation. This fall, just coast. For travel deals, visit ExploreNorthMyrtleBeach.com. Welcome back into College Countdown, presented by North Myrtle Beach. This is the second quarter of our show. Corey McCartney here. And while I may not be a jive turkey, our guest most certainly is a turkey that is pleased to be joined by Tom Turkey, who, and I know this will embarrass you, Tom, was pardoned by a president. Tom, which president was it that pardoned you again? I didn't expect you to go back that far, Tom. You look really good for your age. Well, Tom, I've always wondered, what is the Thanksgiving holiday like for you? I mean, I've had to live, if I had to live through a season when, I don't know, a number of my 
family and friends were being literally served on a platter, it would probably be, I don't know, a little uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I can definitely get that, but... I mean, again, I can't imagine my friends and family would taste as good with cranberry sauce as yours do. So now I'm assuming that you can relate to the mascot uh, being a Virginia Tech fan, the Hokey Bird. Uh, your thoughts on the job that Justin Fuente has done so far, a chance to get back-to-back 10-win seasons, certainly a difficult spot. He walked into succeeding a legend in uh, Frank Beamer. I actually agree with you. He's done a phenomenal job uh, going into a huge uh, matchup this week with uh, you know rival Virginia, a team that's really been on the rise. Um, I, I got to know the Virginia Tech's mascot I mentioned there, Hokey Bird. He does the bench press on the sideline for a score. Uh, just between uh, you, you and I, are, do you know Hokey Bird or, or just uh, just a fan from afar? I didn't. I did not realize. Okay, I, I didn't know you were from that part of uh, that part of Virginia. I, look, I know some farmers. I know this might be you know a little bit touchy subject. I know some farmers use hormones in aiding the growth of animals. I mean, hokey birds, the, the dude is ripped. Have you? I mean, have you ever stepped in to see if hokey bird needs? I don't know an, an intervention or help or, or something like that. Well, you know, sometimes the hardest part is just asking for help. But, you know, look, Tom, just be there. Be a sounding board if Hokey Bird ever wants to take that step. And I Look, I, I this, inter- this interview has grown, unfortunately, dark. And I promise that's not a turkey pun uh, as far as meat goes. But it's time to dive into this week's game. So, uh, Tom, are you ready to pick some football games? Okay, well, we're going to start off with Friday. Uh, number two, Miami. Uh, at Pitt and the Hurricanes, freshly named number two in the nation, looking to keep that undefeated season alive at Heinz Field. Tom, how's this one going to play out? Okay, so you like Miami. I completely agree with you there. I think they definitely got momentum on their side. I think we'll see the turnover chain a couple times there in Heinz Field. So next up, the one that's close to your heart, number 25, Virginia Tech. At Virginia, the Hokies have dominated this one. And while Bronco Mendenhall has reached bowl eligibility in year two, is this too big of a hurdle just yet? Yeah, I agree with you. I think you know Josh Jackson, the way he's played, I ultimately think you know, you're right. Uh, Virginia Tech is going to be too much for him in this one. So let's go move on to the Saturday games. Start off number nine, Ohio State and Michigan. In, in a, you, know, you grew up uh, kind of part of Virginia Tech culture. I grew up around Columbus, Ohio, and this one is just referred to as the game there, and the stakes are high for the Buckeyes who are trying to retain that sliver of playoff hopes in Michigan. Well, they have not won this one in 13 years. Tom, who's taking this? Okay, so you like the Buckeyes. I, I agree with you. I think JT Barrett's going to he's going to put on a show. He look they they're going to need some style points at this point. I think they're going to deliver. Number seven Georgia at Georgia Tech and clean old fashioned hate. And mentioning Ohio State's playoff hopes, the Bulldogs can most certainly get there with an SEC title in hand. But first, they have to beat their in-state rival to get to Mercedes-Benz Stadium with one loss. 
Okay, so George, yeah, I think I think you're right. George is just too deep uh, with that running game. I think uh, that that's going to be the determining factor there. Georgia Tech has not defended the run well of late. The Iron Bowl, number one Alabama at number six Auburn, and we've seen some classics in the past. This one for the West Crown in the spot opposite Georgia in the SEC title game. Okay, yeah, I, I look. It, Chalk is what it is. I think Alabama's going to, you're right, Tom, Alabama's going to wind up there, and we're going to get that Alabama-Georgia matchup and the winner going on in the college football playoff. West Virginia at number four, Oklahoma, and Tom, Baker Mayfield has been controversial, but the guy can flat-out play, but he'll be starting this one on the bench. Will Greer and the Mountaineers, fifth in FBS in passing yards at 341.8. Oklahoma, 101st in defending the pass. Can the Mountaineers pull off the upset here? You, wow. Okay. So that, that's. I mean, that's going to be some chaos if West Virginia wins that one. So, um, wow. You're Tom. You're coming strong today. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. Sometimes you got to be bold. All right. Number three, Clemson at number twenty-four, South Carolina. The biggest in-state rivalry of the week, as far as the ACC is concerned, will be very difficult for Clemson to make a return to the playoff with one loss already. If it can't get past South Carolina, the Gamecocks. Winners of five of their last six did open the win- the year up by beating an ACC team in NC State. Do they make it another one? Okay, Clemson. All right. So, I mean, that's going to set the stage for a gigantic ACC title game, Tom. So I like the way you're thinking. Number eight, Notre Dame at number 21, Stanford. Two of the nation's top running backs, Bryce Love, Josh Adams, face off in South Bend. The Irish need this one to guarantee a spot in the New Year's Six game. They've allowed 239, 237, 277 yards last three times out on the ground. Does Love add to that trouble? I mean, look, it would be huge for Notre Dame to get to a New Year's Six game, especially coming off the year that they did. So finally, number 13, Washington State, and number 17, Washington, the Apple Cup, and a spot in the Pac-12 title game is on the line in Seattle. A Cougars win gives them the Pac-12 North, but if Washington wins, it's Stanford that will go against USC, the South winner. There you go, Tom. Thank you. Washington, you're taking Washington. I think that's uh, I think that's the right pick. That could be a great game uh, against uh, once again against Stanford and USC. So, Tom, thank you. And I have to say, I'm glad you're making it through this holiday in uh, in one fine feathery piece. Well. Tom, there's always next year. When College Countdown returns, we'll dive into the players who are in for a big weekend as we dole out helmet stickers. North Myrtle Beach, where a summer vacation is even better in the fall. Step off your back porch and onto the warm sands of a wide open beach. It's never too late for a sunny summer vacation. This fall, just coast. For travel deals, visit ExploreNorthMyrtleBeach.com. And for the third quarter here on College Countdown, presented by North Myrtle Beach, Corey McCartney, joined by Zach Diller and Dave Solanis in a holiday version of the helmet stickers. So we've got all your turkey, cranberry sauce, and mashed potato stickers ready. And, yes, guys, they are scratch and sniff. Uh, we know, yeah, those are, uh, the, the, yeah, yeah. Dave is uh, sniffing, and Zach is uh, scratching. So tons of rivalry games on the menu. So, Dave, we'll get you started. Uh, you have the honors as we dive in on offense. Well, much appreciation, I think for this holiday uh, surprise, I think helmet sticker Cam Akers, Florida State. I think uh, I think this is a game where he can show that he's 
got the body type. He's got the talent. He was highly recruited by SEC schools. This is a game where where he can he can show up and ball. He was had some light work last week against Delaware State, 44 yards rushing. He's able to just kind of get in there, get his stuff done, and get out. I think uh, I think Cam Akers. Not sure it's going to matter that much, but it could. And look at Florida's rush defense. I mean, the past three games, 292, 227, two, uh, 220 against Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina. And when Florida so, State yeah. wins, he, he runs well. Yeah. He and they just took away from well. him a little bit because that Delaware State game was their senior day, so they yeah. let uh, some Ryan Green uh, go off a little bit. But he had 18, ca- 18, carry, uh, the 18 carries that they allowed UAB uh, th- for three yards, by the way, in that game. I mean, when's the last time this FSU-Florida rivalry game has just been uh, – I mean – there's just nothing to look at here. I mean, really. I think the only thing to look at, and we were talking before, is whether or not Florida State can win to make that UL Monroe game actually right. mean something, or otherwise you're going to have a bunch of guys that don't want to be there in a UL Monroe team that got paid a bunch of money to come down and play a game that at that point's not going to matter a lick. Well, that Florida State game was on our air, and I they they looked good against Delaware State. They, well, they took care of business. You know, eleven touchdowns. A uh, little bit bigger, higher profile game uh, this past week, and something that really surprised me. I'm going to go with John Walford, the Wake Forest quarterback. I'm sure not the first person on the show to uh, give him some love this season because he's played really well. Uh, seventh in QBR uh, nationally. He's going against a Duke defense that is 26 in scoring. Uh, they looked pretty good, especially in the second half against Georgia Tech. That's another game that was on our air. But uh, David Hale of ESPN looked at kind of where Wolford ranks FBS-wise. Uh, and seventh in QBR, seventh in passer efficiency, uh, 16th in completion percentage, uh, sixth in touchdown-interception ratio, 10th in total touchdowns. I don't think that as we came into this season – I would have ever had yeah. Wolford, and I, I still don't put him in among the elite uh, company uh, that we look at in terms of like NFL prospects and who you would want uh, leading your team. But he's putting up top ten type numbers in in the country. I th- I like him against Duke. And look what Duke's pa- Duke's defense the last two weeks they faced yeah. Army and they faced Georgia Tech, so they haven't exactly had to deal with anybody throwing the football uh, very much of late, and you know they're. They gave up 200 to the air last time. Uh, they really saw a, a really viable passing attack against Virginia Tech. I mean, they are, thanks to those Army and Georgia Tech games, ranked uh, you know 11th in the country against the pass. But I think a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. And you mentioned Walford has just been – he's just been ridiculous Walford lately. can coach, man. Uh, there are a lot of teams that would love a quarterback like that. Yeah. That's in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I am going with Kelvin Harmon from NC State against North Carolina. And since October 5th, he's had less than 105 yards twice in 11th in the FBS this month uh, with 109 yards per game. The Tar Heels have been better uh, against the pass of late, 147 yards this month. But they've And they've decreased month by month. But Harmon is hot, and I expect the Wolfpack to be salty after that loss to Wake Forest. And Naheem Hines, not a guarantee to play. This week, after suffering an injury against Wake, Dave Doran says he expects him to be healthy, but I anticipate uh, Ryan Finley and company going to go through the air a lot against the Tar Heels in this one. So as we switch over to defense, Dave, what do you got? Uh, I'll take another rivalry game, uh, Clemson, South Carolina. I think Kendall Joseph is is going to really show up. Um, you know, how many how many big games have Clemson played over the past two years? All of them. A lot. <laughs> All of them. They show up. Right. Yeah. And, They're there. And he knows what to do, and he knows he's a veteran of these type of games. You know, I know they're remembering what, what Jake Bentley said back in May. You know, we that South Carolina was just a little bit worse 
than Clemson, and I think he's going to wreak havoc, and it, it's going to it's not going to be fun. He doesn't doesn't have too many tackles for losses this year, but he's everywhere on the field. Yeah, there's a there's a really big gap between this Clemson and South Carolina team. These Clemson and South Carolina teams in terms of talent level. Um, I'm with you. I think I think Clemson's going to uh, route there. You got your orange on zoo today. You you came ready for that Clemson pick. That's right. Um, I but would, would it though? Would it make South Carolina South Carolina's season would be made right if they go two zero against uh, against oh, the yeah. ACC? Oh yeah, that'd be huge. And yeah. Beating Clemson, I mean, that's really all they're playing for now is just winning that rivalry yep. game, and you get to completely spoil Clemson's season. Do you think style points matter for Clemson? I think they do. I think they do. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting setup for them because you know we anticipate Miami's going to remain undefeated, right? So I think that sets it up for really interesting. You know, final final weekend they're going to the ACC title game. I think Oklahoma has, has got a lot of momentum. So do they end up kind of pushing their way in and getting into that top three? I, I, it could be really, really intriguing. So I, I do think Clemson needs, and I think in Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State against Michigan. You know, if you've got them going into uh, the matchup with Wisconsin for the Big Ten title, I think style points do they do matter this weekend. Because you've got Oklahoma and, and Baker Mayfield with all the yep. off the field stuff and and the on the field stuff too, and then you got Miami with the turnover chain. Clemson's just kind of sitting right there, but. But plenty good enough. Well, to your point, in terms of style points, if you, you have to assume that if they win out, they're in. If yeah. Miami wins out, they're in. But it could come down to, as you're kind of alluding to with Oklahoma looming, who wants to play Alabama if Alabama runs yeah. the table? Who gets to play Alabama or who gets to play the three seed? So you're either – you could be jockeying there for a position you know, that could be the difference in being the two or the four seed or the three or the four seed. Um, if everything shakes out, um, it feels like the NBA it playoffs. It feels like the NBA playoffs, where you don't want to be in the East and, right. and have to fit, and be the eight against the the Calves, and you don't want now to be in the West not, and be the one, eight against. It the may Warriors. not matter. Alabama may stay number one, and then this may be a, the difference of moving from two to three. You're going to play the same team, yeah. So uh, that may not matter, but it is interesting to think of in style points and how they jockey for position. Uh, defensively, I'm going to go with probably the easiest pick I've had this year, Bradley Chubb leading the entire conference with 10 sacks. He's going against the North Carolina offense and an offensive line that is 101st nationally in sacks allowed. They've been really bad. Everyone knows they've been bad. Everyone knows that Bradley Chubb is good. It's the safe pick here. So Bradley Chubb uh, getting into North Carolina's backfield, wreaking some havoc. Yeah, that's probably going to happen. Uh, they just have not been. Spoiler alert, yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's already, already Wolf, the Wolfpack's all-time leader in sacks, so he's probably going to add a couple more and uh, – Hopefully he won't be spitting on anything uh, after this game, so that would be a nice little thing for him to avoid. So I'm I'm going a little bit deep on this one, and I'm I'm going looking at Georgia Tech, Georgia, and I'm taking Henri Saint Amour, Georgia Tech's defensive ta- defensive end, the Yellow Jackets leader, five and a half half five and a half tackles for loss. Uh, Tech gave up 319 yards to Duke on the ground last week. Now they have to face Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. Georgia is 10th in the FBS, uh, 267 yards per game. I expect St. Amour is going to get lots of opportunities in this one. May not be uh, in a victory, but he's going to get a lot of chances to Lots of tackles. love, maybe, Amour. That's right, yep, yep. <laughs> lots of love. That's right, St. Love. That's right. I, I expect him. Look, I don't, think, I don't think Georgia Tech can take down Georgia. But I think uh, there'll be a lot of double-digit uh, tackle opportunities for those uh, Georgia Tech defensive linemen. They better not. It's going to be a, a bad day in my household. I would imagine uh, this would make uh, Paul Johnson's career if he could <laughs> if he could do his part to keep Georgia from playing for a national championship. 
uh, should he stop them from having one loss going into the SEC title game, that would uh, that would warm his uh, warm Paul Johnson's heart. I don't like it. I don't like the sound of it. <laughs> and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end this right here before it goes any further. There you go. All right, Zach, Dave, appreciate it, guys. It's break time, and when we return, I'll look at the Heisman race where Baker Mayfield keeps doing Baker Mayfield things, and he's hurting Baker Mayfield in the process. <laughs> North Myrtle Beach, where a summer vacation is even better in the fall. Unexpected adventures, warm, uncrowded beaches, special memories. It's never too late for a stunning summer vacation. This fall, just coast. For travel deals, visit ExploreNorthMyrtleBeach.com. This is the final quarter here on College Countdown presented by North Myrtle Beach. Corey McCartney serving as your Heisman forecaster as we dive into the race heading into Thanksgiving weekend. For the third time in the past six months, Baker Mayfield issued an apology. And for the second time in two months, we're left wondering, how will Heisman voters handle someone who just simply can't get out of his own way? The process is often criticized for its ambiguity. What exactly does it mean to be the most outstanding? How has that morphed into an award that seemingly excludes certain positions, smaller schools, and on and on and on? As a voter and someone who has long covered this award race for summer to ceremony, the vagueness of the criteria is part of the Heisman's charm. But the Heisman Trust mission statement, it puts this on voters. In the first sentence, pleading that its winner best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. Mayfield is tempting the trust call to action, adding some insults and crotch grabs to his trash-talking at uh, Baylor and the flag plant at Ohio State and, of course, his February arrest in charge of fleeing from Fayetteville, Arkansas police. Judging morality isn't part of the job as a Heisman voter. That's hence why Nebraska's Johnny Rogers won in 1972 with a service station holdup on his record. Cam Newton claiming the award in 2010 with allegations that his father took money from Mississippi State. Jameis Winston taking the 2013 trophy despite sexual assault allegations. The difference, though, is what Mayfield is doing, you know, running from cops aside. It's on the field. And the QB's numbers are in line with the 4,700 yards plus the last five winning passers have produced. Mayfield on pace for 4,792 yards, and he's the FBS leader in passing efficiency at 199.3, which would break his own single-season record of 196.3 set last season. He has the Sooners in line to make the college football playoff. Mayfield enters Thanksgiving weekend as a clear favorite in this race, although being benched to start against West Virginia uh, and being stripped of his candidacy certainly does not help the overall perception. It should all put him in line, though, for a landslide, landslide victory, and there's a distinct possibility that Mayfield still wins handedly, barring any setbacks, but there's going to be a number of voters, I promise you, who either knock him down their list of three names on their ballots or leave the QB off entirely. There's precedent for this. Newton was left off 105 ballots in his win. 13% of voters avoided Winston altogether. Mayfield will likely pay a similar penalty in the eyes of the voting public. The best thing going for him right now is he doesn't have a chief rival to take full advantage of his continued missteps. The next time we see Mayfield give a heartfelt speech, it should be at the podium as he's named the Heisman winner unless he finds a way to let his emotions get the best of him yet again. Before we dive into this week's risers and sliders in the Heisman race, here's a look at the forecaster's latest virtual ballot. Number one, Baker Mayfield. Number two, I've got Bryce Love from Stanford. Number three, Lamar Jackson, the reigning Heisman winner. I'm putting him at number three, and it's Lamar Jackson who's my first on-the-rise player for the week. It's stated multiple times in this on this show. The road was paved for Jackson to return to New York as a finalist, barring any injury that kept him out multiple games. Since the downtown athletic club invited the first group to New York in 1982, one returning winner did not earn a repeat trip to New York. That was Florida State's Jameis Winston in 2014, 
when he made headlines for the crab legs incident, making a sexually lewd comment on campus. So Jackson, the FBS leader in total offense by 37 yards per game at 414.5, on pace for more yards, almost 5,000, than when he won the trophy last season. The thought here was that Jackson's inclusion would be a telltale sign of the vote. Louisville QB likely being the last of the finalists, hence his inclusion, could dictate how many received invites. But now, with so many faded and Mayfield suffering another self-inflicted wound, Jackson does have a legit chance to get into the uh, first top three finish for a defending winner since Tim Tebow in 2008. Next on the rise player, Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. I keep beating the drum for this guy. He may be the only player who can sneak in and have a stunning top three finish as he and the Badgers just keep marching along. The freshman burned with Michigan's 15th-ranked rush defense for 132 yards and 19 carries. That was the first time the Wolverines left a back hit the century mark since Saquon Barkley on October 21st. Minnesota should not be much of a roadblock for Taylor, who's sitting on 1,657 yards, which is third in FBS. He's a finalist for the Doak Walker, along with Barkley and Sanford Bryce Love. The Gophers, who are allowing 161 on the ground, which is 63rd in FBS, they just gave up 277 and three TDs to Northwestern. Final on-the-rise player for the week, another Big Ten guy, J.T. Barrett from Ohio State. Fifth in the voting. Way back in his redshirt freshman year of 2014, Barrett has a spotlight game against an arch rival in Michigan, and he and the Buckeyes have the faintest of hopes of reaching the college football playoff uh, should they knock off Wisconsin in December 2nd's Big Ten title game. Revitalizing his campaign, getting Ohio State in the selection committee's good graces, is going to mean absolute dominance of the Wolverines. And we've seen Barrett, both at his best this year, 328 yards, four TDs, another 95 yards on the ground against Penn State. We've seen him at his worst this year, four picks against Iowa, and that's in less than a month's time. The Wolverines' defense has been sagging giving up 340 yards, 325 yards the last two times out. Top 25 teams, 361 yards per game. That's 138 less than they've allowed to unranked opponents, uh, 138 more. This is the perfect stage for the good version of Barrett to deliver a statement and, yes, earn some more gold pants, which is what they give Ohio State's teams of the players when they beat Michigan, if you did not know. Next fall guy for the week, on Johnson from Auburn. Johnson has been on a roll, no fewer than 137 yards in each of the past three weeks and rising up to 21st in the nation with 1,172 yards. He's gone over 100 yards seven times in the year. But one of those games was versus a team with a rush defense higher than 25th with Johnson getting to Georgia for a three, 167 yards. Number one, Alabama. Number two against a rush, and they've allowed 151, 172, 107 on the ground the past three weeks. The Crimson Tide could get that much nastier, though. Nick Saban suggesting injured linebackers Christian Miller, Terrell Lewis, and Mack Wilson all could play Saturday against Auburn. That could derail Johnson's hope, budding hopes, along with the college football playoff dreams of the Tigers. Next fall guy for the week, Saquon Barkley from Penn State. This was the inevitability of Barkley's chase after the Nittany Lions fell out of the college football playoff Big Ten title consideration. He rebounded nicely against Nebraska, posting his first 100-yard game since Michigan. Piling 158 yards, three TDs, added another 66 yards on six receptions. The fact of the matter is that that game came against a four-win opponent. He'll face another one this week in Maryland. Barkley continues to be a strong choice to get to the ceremony, but it doesn't help that while other contenders are playing in spotlight games, he's the victim of Penn State's late October, early November slide. 
your final fall guy for the week, Josh Adams at Notre Dame. And he did not make the field of Doak Walker finalist after back-to-back forgettable performances against NC State and Wake Forest. He bounced back 106 yards and 18 carries against Navy, but it's been nearly a month since Adams found the end zone. A month. And he's facing off against Love, who seems destined to get a seat at the table for the ceremony. It's just going to provide another setback. That will do it for this week. And when we come back next week, excited to have country singer Walker Hayes coming by to pick games. And we'll do, again, a deep dive into the ACC championship game. Until then, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. And remember, if life gives you fourth and short, go for it.